1: There's nothing we can do about the collective stupidity of government other than figure out to exploit it. This is an economy of one. Your beacon guiding you through the turbulent waters of the political economy. The market no longer is the invisible hand of mutual gain, but the choking grip of political self-interest. Liberty is not given. It must be taken. Let's take it back together today. It's life, liberty, and the pursuit of self-reliance. An economy of one. With Gary Rathbun, CEO of Private Wealth Consultants and your free market voice of the U.S. Is country. Greetings and welcome again to An Economy of One. I am your host, Gary Rathbun. Our website, economyofone.com, an economyofone.com, as is our Facebook, An Economy of One on Facebook. Feel free to uh, send us a question or comment to producer at an com. That's producer at... And economyofone.com. Um Got a lot to cover tonight. We got uh, a great guest, Dr. Dean Waldman. He's the director of the Center for Healthcare Policy at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. My goodness, that's a mouthful. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in uh, with Obamacare. We're starting to see, you know, President Obama timed that right. That uh, by the time he's out of office premiums are going to just go through the roof on Obamacare. So uh, we'll, we'll take a look at uh, what Dr. Dean Waldman thinks of all of this. He's a retired doctor. He has 37 years as a pediatric cardiologist. So he's been on both sides of the equation, and uh, he's got some interesting things to uh, say. We're going to talk a little bit, little bit about the election. Uh, it's just a couple days away, and it'll be all over. And then we can start on the 2020 election, something that will be refreshing and uh, uh, exciting to, to work on. Um, Cubs, Cubbies, I don't know how many of you are a are, uh, uh, Chicago Cubs fan, but they, uh, they won the World Series this year. And it was, you know, I'm not a baseball fan uh, as a rule, it's just... Uh, a little slow for me, and there's just so many games. What is it? 160 some games or something like that in a season per team, and and I, I just I can't get into it. I don't have time to to adopt a team and follow them and get to know the the members or the players and all that kind of stuff. So, I, but when it comes to October, I like to watch baseball in October. I I think that uh, that's interesting and. Uh, The World Series this year was very exciting. Of course, I'm from Ohio, so uh, I kind of wanted the uh, Indians to do well. They haven't won since 1948. But the Cubbies, the Cubs haven't won since 1908, so 108 years. Uh, That's what what we commonly refer to as a dry spell, Uh, 108 years, and it went right down to the wire. Right down to the last out, I will give them that. I watched Game Seven. Now, that being said, the Indians—I don't see how you can be up three games to one, coming home, coming home to Cleveland to finish it out, and you lose three in a row. Um, that's that's extraordinary. But uh, I'll give the Cubbies credit—they they, they played well. They got this one pitcher—I forget his name—every pitch over 100 miles an hour every pit that guy has an arm my goodness it's just unbelievable but i i watched it eh, till the bottom of the eighth when uh indians tied it up with a, home, a two-run homer and i thought oh, okay i can go to sleep now it's raining there they'll probably have a rain delay but uh indians got momentum and i i truly thought they'd pull it out but uh cubs won fair and square and uh good for them good for chicago it's uh interesting when you look at how chicago celebrated now we're used to it's happened here in ohio uh ohio state when they win the championship they have all kinds of uh goofy vandalism and cars being set on fire and that kind of stuff uh chicago uh oddly enough all the crowd around wrigley field um They were joyous and happy and well-behaved and virtually no incidents at all. But the surrounding neighborhoods, um, Chicago celebrated with six murders and 15 uh, gunshot wounds. The month of October, Chicago had 78 homicides. That's 48 more for the month than a year ago. 78 homicides. That's better than two a day. And they are the most highly regulated community, city for guns in the country. Both Chicago and the state of Illinois highly regulated on guns. Yet in October, Chicago alone, 78 murders, 48 more than last year. By the way, in digging out, Other pieces of useless information. I came across this. Chicago has had Democratic mayors longer than the Cubs were World Series-less. So they've had Democratic mayors longer than the Cubs went without winning a uh, World Series. Consecutive, by the way. So they've had Democratic mayors uh, for a long time. Long time long time but President Obama is a White Sox fan but you know he, he was gracious he called him out and congratulated him and uh, as a president of the United States should do it was hard one I'll give him that they played well um, it always boils down to you know any given d- game a half a dozen different plays that that make the difference but uh, congratulations to the the Chicago Cubs I'll give them that I'd rather seen uh, Cleveland Indians win because it's my home state and uh, they've had a dry spell as well. So maybe next year, maybe next year. They played a good season. A couple days away from the election, so we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But I had the privilege of of uh, being interviewed on a national show uh, this week to talk about private property. And it got me thinking a little a little bit more about private property. So I thought I'd spend a couple minutes uh, with you tonight talking about my thoughts on private property. And going into this election, I want you to think about this. We've only got a day or so before we vote, but think of which candidate is more likely to protect private property rights versus which candidate is more in favor of government control over your property. Now, one of the common mistakes people make is when you say private property, they think of what we call hard assets or real assets, meaning land, uh, your home buildings, uh, that kind of stuff. But private property really is everything about you. So your thoughts, Our private property, your speech is private property, your ability to earn a wage, private property, your ability to negotiate that wage is private property. Everything around you is private property. In fact, I would contend that all rights that are protected by the Constitution boil down to one, and that's private property. Without private property, you cannot sustain yourself. You cannot live. If you believe you have a natural right to your life, then you have to support private property rights. If you feel that it's up to the government to guarantee your life, to sustain your life, um then you have no rights, none. Now, we've seen serious attacks on free speech in the last few years, certainly serious attacks on our Second Amendment, the uh, right to bear arms, Uh, Fourth Amendment, illegal search and seizure, Fifth Amendment, testifying against ourselves, innocent until proven guilty. Uh, We've seen... Attack after attack after attack on our Constitutional rights, and it boils down to private property. Remember we talked about earlier this year the EPA changing the language in their regulations and took out the word navigable when it comes to water that they are over, that they have jurisdiction over. They took out navigable. Well, by taking out the word navigable, that means virtually any any water anywhere they have jurisdiction over that's your property rights now that does relate to real estate it does relate to a hard asset a real asset but it illustrates the attack on your rights and liberty minimum wage both candidates want to increase the minimum wage that is an attack on your private property, your right to negotiate for on your behalf with a potential employer. The government has a gun to your head, has a gun to the potential employer's head saying they cannot pay you less than a certain amount. Well you should have the right to negotiate your private property your your labor your ability to work and provide value you should be able to negotiate that any way you want but you can't not under this government and probably not under the next administration either so I want you when you go to the polls Tuesday to think about private property and which candidate is likely to protect those rights which candidate will get supreme court justices to protect those rights to me this is the issue it's not borders it's not nafta it's private property rights speeding election coming up next we'll talk about the election and uh... uh, some of the changes that's happened the last week and what some of the other people are saying about the outcome we'll talk about that next An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. Back to An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. Coming up in a little bit, Dr. Dean Waldman, Director of the Center for Healthcare Policy at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Retired pediatric cardiologist will be joining me. We're going to talk about some of the stuff going on with Obamacare. And a little bit later in the show, we're going to talk about uh, my recent experience with uh, uh, medical care. I had a little uh, discussion between my hand and And a uh, table saw that uh, didn't end real well, but uh, had an interesting experience uh, getting a fix. So I'll share that with you uh, a little bit later. A couple days now, uh, we're going to have the election. And everybody I talk to, every person I talk to is experiencing an unprecedented election fatigue. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of it. Now, it's critical that even though you're tired of it, get out and vote anyway. Get out and vote anyway. Take a friend. Be committed. The country is dependent upon it. Now, I have, I, you know, the, the last, what, five, six, seven presidential elections have been deemed the most important election of our history, vote, most important election of all time. And, and I understand why people say that. But this one, uh, I believe they're right. I believe they're right with all of the stuff out there on Secretary of State Clinton. I don't see how the choice can not be clear. Um, my goodness, with the FBI coming out. On uh, new emails um, foundation probably facing an indictment uh, all of this stuff how can you vote for that I just don't get it but it's interesting because there was a survey out this last week that said 35% of federal workers may consider leaving their jobs if Trump wins and my first reaction is great That will reduce the workforce of the federal government by 35%, and uh, Trump won't replace them. Got to cut the fat out. Got to get lean and mean on the federal government. And uh, now, you and I both know, none of them are leaving. None of them are leaving. Where else can they get paid what they're getting paid, get the benefits that they get in the private sector, never get fired, Never do anything. That's why they're called government employees, not government workers, and retire young with a full pension. Where else can they do that? They can't do that in the private sector. In the private sector, you got to provide value, you got to earn for your employer more money than what the employer is spending to have you there federal government you don't you don't have to produce anything you can sit on your butt do nothing all day pretend that you're doing something pretend you care pretend you have a serious job and uh go home at four o'clock without a care in the world and keep your job can't do that in the private sector can't do it just absolutely cannot do it now if Hillary wins it's less severe almost 80% said they would stay so that's only 20% saying they would consider leaving their jobs so it's a big difference so they know that Hillary is status quo they know that she is all for big government and uh, they feel safe and secure the other aspect of this how many times have we seen this now That Hollywood celebrities say they're gonna leave if Donald Trump wins and once again just like the federal employees my reaction go ahead go ahead see how much money you can make doing what you're doing in this country in another country go ahead share Whoopi Goldberg Samuel L Jackson John Stewart Uh, there's, there's dozens of them that say they will leave the country if Donald Trump wins. Reverend Al Sharpton says he'll leave. Molly Cyrus, who cares? Um, George Lopez. I mean, you know, who cares? Uh, Why they think saying that means anything to you and I is incredible to me. It's absolutely incredible. It's gonna have the opposite reaction that they think it's it's gonna have you know what that makes me want to vote for Trump if they're gonna leave we had that in the last election we had it when Bush was running all these people were gonna leave and go to Canada didn't happen they all stayed here and we know why coming up next dr. Dean Waldman is gonna join me he's a retired pediatric cardiologist we're gonna chat about health care and uh, get a doctor's take on it. We'll talk to him next. Gary Rethbun, an economy of one. Back to An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. Joining me now is Dr. Dean Waldman. He's a director of the Center for Healthcare Policy at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. He's a retired pediatric cardiologist and system theorist analyst for the American healthcare with 37 years of clinical experience. Author of the award-winning print books, including The Cancer in the American Healthcare System and the ebook series titled... Restoring Care to American Health Care. Dr. Dean, welcome to An Economy of One. I am pleased to be here. I appreciate you taking the time and chatting with us a little bit. You know, we're seeing all kinds of reports, including some statements from you and your organization, all kinds of articles on the Internet about the huge increase in the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare premiums coming in 2017. Why is this such a shock? Isn't this what you and others predicted?
0: yes uh, a number of us have said that uh, when you throw all of those increased uh, uh cost of bureaucracy uh literally 2.6 trillion dollars uh, that obamacare is spending uh into the system you know somebody has to pay it well uh, they uh, put those costs right on the um uh, insurance companies. The insurance companies have two choices. They either raise their premiums, which they actually have been doing consistently for the last three years, or they go out of the market entirely, as uh, United Health has done, Anthem has done. And so what's going on, uh, this is predicted several years ago, is literally a death spiral of um, private insurance. Now, whether that was the intent um, uh, of Obamacare or not, I, I must admit, I don't know. I've heard too many uh, private conversations about what the real intent was, and I just don't know, and I don't frankly care. What matters is what it's doing to our people, and it's doing two very bad things. One, it's increasing what was already unaffordable. It's increasing the cost of that, and two, it's literally decreasing the access to care. Now, a lot of the
1: information coming out of the government saying, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Arizona's going to have a 100 percent increase. New Mexico, 118, are, Yes, uh, 118, New Mexico, 20 yep. some. But that really doesn't matter because we're just going to increase government subsidies to make up for it.
0: Well, that doesn't really fix anything, does it? Of course. Not. I mean, you, you, that's a, one of your classic rhetorical questions. I mean, somebody has to pay uh, for those subsidies. The answer is either, and it's actually both. Uh, either the middle class, the people who are hardworking who don't qualify for the for Medicaid or for. Uh, that's total subsidy or for these big subsidies. You know, the, the average hardworking um, uh, police officer or steel worker or uh, manager of a store, et cetera, et cetera, or, a small, God forbid, a small businessman who's really getting crushed, they're going to pay all for those subsidies. And, and here's the really bad part. Uh, our children and grandchildren are paying for it because how does uh, Obamacare pay for all this Bureaucratic expansion and cost, they print more money. Well, what happens when you print more money? You have no, more national debt, and uh, my children and grandchildren are going to have to pay it off. Right. You know, it's interesting
1: because I'm one of those that put on the little tinfoil hat and think this was all planned. This was all part of the overall plan to go to a single-payer system. And I talked to Betsy McCoy a couple of weeks ago, and she spent a lot of time studying the Affordable Care Act. And she told me she doesn't believe we're going to go to a one-payer system, that we all won't be on Medicaid, that Obamacare is going to spiral down the drain. You've been in practice for 30-plus years on both sides now. What, what do you think is, is likely to happen the next few years?
0: Well, I I, the, I I like to answer questions that people ask me, but that's one I can both answer and wait a minute and answer and not answer. I mean, okay. I'm I'm sorry to say that what what it will happen is Obamacare will uh, over the next several years, assuming it's still there, implode. It literally there will be more and more. Uh, counties around the United States that literally have nobody selling insurance. Literally no one. The the number is a real number now. Um, I got a call just, uh, what, four days ago from the editor of the Tyler... Uh, Morning Telegraph here in uh, Texas, and he said, Please explain to me why we have only one carrier in our entire county and they just raise their premiums 60 to 70 percent, depending on which plan you choose. And I had to explain to him that uh, effectively Obamacare is creating monopolies in these various areas, which means that they can charge what they like and nobody can afford that. And number two, there, uh, there are whole states. Uh, Wyoming has no. Carriers literally so uh what's going to happen is um People aren't going to be able to uh, get insurance. They're going to end up in an emergency room when they need something. Of course, you know then the hospitals have to cover that. Uh, The cost of uncompensated care is going to skyrocket. That I can pretty much guarantee. There's going to be more and more uninsured people. There's going to be uh, a further rise in the national debt. I bet. Actually, you probably would know, but your listeners may not. You know that uh, that our president current president holds the record of being the first president in U.S. history to actually have a national – to raise the national debt so it is greater than our GDP. Right, right. That happened in 2013 when it hit 101%, and now it's 109% Our national debt against the GDP. So what's going to happen in the future? There aren't going to be doctors. I mean, literally, doctors cannot afford to stay in business when uh, Medicaid pays so low, when Medicare is paying so low. And uh, uh, that's all the bad news. The good news is that more and more people are going to what you can Call it whatever you like, but concierge medicine, cash-only medicine, which is what I'm recommending to people. And the immediate thing that people need to do is lobby uh, their congressmen to get the HSA limitation relieved, yeah. released.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because, uh, if you remember, clear back under Hillary Care uh, oh. the proposal there, one of the things that she had in her proposal was, it was illegal for me to pay cash and hire a doctor. On yes, my own. it is.
0: And, and, and in case uh, other people, people are talking about, the, well, we should go to the Canadian system. The Canadian system has exactly what you just said. Yep. It is literally illegal for a doctor to receive a payment uh, from a patient. Yeah. Ends up in jail for five years and loses his license. Yeah.
1: At least Obamacare or Affordable Care Act didn't have that clause yet. You
0: know I mean? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, the reason uh, this is really it's painful for me to say, the reason I uh, uh, stopped clinical practice, I love taking care of children. I mean, I'm a pediatric cardiologist, and I used to smile getting up in the morning, even with the sickest kids in the world, because they're cute, and I can take care of them, and I can do good things. And, you know, and meanwhile, Obamacare gets passed and then uh, approved by the Supreme Court, and now it has the uh, Independent Payment Advisory Board that literally can tell me what I'm not allowed to do for my patient. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, didn't they just pass, and I haven't studied it in depth, but I was talking to a couple doctors, didn't they just pass on the Medicare side, I forget what it's called, like results-oriented compensation? Yeah,
0: they they did that, and here's the problem. The result that they're talking about is saving money. Right. <laughs> Right, it's like right. the accountable care organization. You know, you say, "Well, that doesn't—is that a good idea?" And I'm going, "Yeah, if if it were accountable to the patients, right? right. But it's not accountable to the patients; it's accountable to the budget." Now, it, so I'm pessimistic. I, I, uh, I'm i pessimistic in general, but I've got to tell you, um, I don't know where your uh, station is out of, but here in Texas, uh, I've I got to tell you, I love these people. The, the Texas legislature is just plain um, – I wouldn't say they're nonpartisan because, of course, they have Republicans and Democrats, but sure. they're much more – problem-oriented than uh, Congress is, God knows, and some of the other states I've been in. They, they'll they look at a problem and say, hey, you know, if that's not uh, Democrat orthodoxy or the Republican platform, but that's the right thing to do, then I'm going to do it.
1: Yeah. We live up in uh, northwest Ohio. The show is carried uh, nationwide via Radio America. But I, I told my wife, I don't know, maybe a year or so ago, we need to buy some land in Texas in case you guys secede from the union, you'll let us in. So. Well,
0: <laughs> I, I'm telling you, the, the, this, this state is really uh, part of the reason I took the job here. Uh, I left uh, New Mexico um, and took the job here because I really think Texas has the chance and the power, economic power, to actually basically say to Washington, no, we're not going to do it your way. We're going to do it our way, and our way works better, and we don't need to pay you uh, several billion dollars uh, a year for the privilege of putting the name Medicaid or something on a program. We can take care of our own people, yeah. and the truth is I think we can. Yeah, I,
1: I think so too, and we've got a lot of clients in Texas, and they seem to have that, that truly American Spirit, you know where it uh, yes, and it
0: really you know uh, uh, I hate to go back that far, but if you go back to Alexis de Tocqueville and his his great books, Democracy in America, the thing he talked about more than anything else was that the American people just didn't seem to see limits or restrictions or constraints if there was something there they would go under it over it around it through it whatever it took if you want to get there they'll get there and and we've a lot of us have lost that it's like oh well we can't do it or you know the government won't let me or you know i don't have an they tell me all the time in in the hospital they used to tell me all the time well the budget won't allow that and my response to that is excuse me your job is to figure out how to get the resources so that I can do what I need for the patient, not I have to do what the budget will allow me to do for the patient. That's a very different statement. And uh, I think that uh, that spirit is still alive and well here in Texas, but I worry that there are large parts of our country that feel entitled. And, uh, you know, California, I spent 15 years in California, and, you know, (laughs) you know what's going on with their pension plan, so... uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and that directly affects health care, um, and I, uh, I, I love it here. i got to tell you, I'm, I feel released. <laughs> well,
1: you know, and I, I, I agree with you, and I think a, a major part of the equation is 50, 60 years of government public education has kind of beat that uh, entrepreneurial, yes. that self-reliance, yes. that independent spirit yep. out of people.
0: And, yeah. Uh, I mean, we are now teaching people that orthodoxy is the way you think yeah. rather than think for
1: yourself. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So we've been speaking with Dr. Dean Waldman. He's a director of the Center for Healthcare Policy at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, the retired pediatric cardiologist and system theorist analyst for American healthcare with 37 years of clinical experience. Dr. Dean, this has been a real treat for me. Uh, first time we talked. I hope we can uh, tap you on the shoulder again soon and continue the conversation.
0: Uh, I would love to do that, and I wish you and your people good luck. Uh, I, I'm still a, a strong Midwesterner. That's where I yep. uh, went to school and grew up and so forth, and uh, uh, yay, Ohio. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. We'll talk again soon.
1: Up next, I had a up-close-and-personal experience with our health care system this last weekend. I'll share that with you next. An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. Back to An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. It's interesting to see the reality of Obamacare start to sink in nationwide. We've got private health companies leaving the exchanges because they can't make any money. We have premiums literally going through the roof. Everything we predicted that was going to happen is happening. Long lines, procedures not getting done, getting deferred. And of course the government comes out government apologists, if you will, and said, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, Arizona's going up a 100 and some percent, Colorado's going up significantly, all these states, yeah, okay, yeah, we understand you're going to have fewer doctor choices and uh, fewer options, but hey, uh, government subsidies will, will mitigate all of that, and you won't re- really experience a... Uh, 100% increase in premiums. You won't experience a 50% increase in premiums. And this illustrates exactly the the ignorance, the economic ignorance of these people because that money's got to come from somewhere. It's got to come from somewhere. This has been a royal disaster. Now, I contend, like I said to uh, Dr. Waldman, I contend that this is all part of the plan to get us into a single-payer system. Make it so bad Just another cloward-pribbon strategy, overwhelm people, make it so bad that Medicare, everybody going on Medicare from birth to death is a better option than what people have now under the Obamacare rules. Now, I've talked to Dr. Betsy McCoy, who's kind of a national expert on Obamacare, and and she says that she doesn't think we'll go to a one-payer that obamacare will collapse in and of itself in on itself and we'll go back to a our our old system only uh updated and better better competition uh being able to, to uh provide services and stuff across state lines and compete across state lines that we're going through this cycle of collapse of the health care system and we will come out the other side with a, a better private system. I hope she's right. I hope she's right. Now, I mentioned earlier uh, this last week I had uh, uh, my finger had a little discussion with a table saw uh, that didn't turn out real well. And uh, I went to a, uh, an emergency room uh, here in Toledo. That's a standalone emergency room. It's uh, Mercy Emergency Care. And I'm a control freak. I, I don't do well in hospitals. And someday I'll share some of my hospital stories with you. But uh, I don't like being in, thing, in places where I don't control everything around me. And if there's one place where you uh, are that you can't control anything, it's the hospital. They control everything. And uh, But I got to tell you. I got nothing negative to say about my experience at the Mer- uh, Mercy emergency room. No negative things to say. From the moment I walked in, there was somebody taking care of me. They, uh, I was never alone. They uh, took x-rays. They took medical history. They took blood pressure, um, all this kind of stuff and eventually numbed it up and sewed me up took five stitches tore the nail up really well split my finger but uh not once was i not being attended to in some form or fashion in the process and it wasn't until and this was what really impressed me it wasn't until i was all done my finger was sewn up and it was bandaged Got my pills, antibiotics, didn't take any pain pills. Um, Only then did someone ask me for my health insurance card to pay for it. Up until then, nobody asked me how I was going to pay for it. And uh, now maybe I come across as being able to pay for it, and they weren't too concerned. Nobody said they recognized me from the radio show, so... uh, uh, I'm pretty sure they didn't know who I was, but it was very, very good experience. I would hate to see all of that go away under a one-payer system. I would hate to have those doctors and nurses and attendants and x-ray techs and all that kind of stuff to simply be a government employee and not really care about the care they were giving. It was a good experience as good as getting your finger caught in a table saw and having five stitches in can be a good experience but I I was just impressed they cared Um, I'd like to think that there's more of those type of people in the system than people who don't care that you're just a number and they want to get their money I've been in situations, not like that, but in medical facilities where 20 people ask me how I'm going to pay for it. They don't ask me how I'm feeling, ask me how I'm going to pay for it. So this was a good experience. A little word to the wise, take it from me. Don't stick your finger in a table saw if it's running. Uh, That's that's never a good situation. So uh, we'll heal. I'll play the violin again someday, and uh, we're in good shape. I want you to have a great day. Be an individual. Be self-reliant. Be an economy of one. I'm Gary Rathman. We'll see you next time.
0: This is our country. The views expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect the views of this station. Listeners should consult their own financial advisors or conduct their own due diligence before making any financial decisions. Private Wealth Consultants is an SEC registered investment advisor.